Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome, everyone, to MotorWeek podcast number 262. I am John Davis. Last time I looked, and uh, joining us today, our writer, two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Hello there. And our over-the-edge reporter, Greg Carlos. What's up? And our online content coordinator, Jessica Ray. Hey, everybody. And we got a lot to cover. We got three good cars we want to talk about. A lightning round. We've got a question from someone uh, off our YouTube uh, presentations. Uh, we'll see if anyone's got a rant and rave, but let's kick it off with probably one of the most widely anticipated vehicles in years, mainly because they've been teasing it for years. Certainly uh, one of the biggest introductions of this summer, the 2023 Nissan Z sports car. And Jessica, I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one. First of all, what is it? Does it look like a Z? I think so. I mean, it's, uh, you can see, of course, where it, uh, has a carryover look from the 370, of course, but I think Nissan did a really great job in taking a lot of the retro aspects um, and incorporating them into this new modern design. Overall, from what I've seen, uh, the the reaction from from people is it's overall positive. People are really digging this uh, this new design. It's very sleek. It's very modern. Um, uh, so I think overall the look is is there. And of course, um, when it comes to specs, we're talking about officially we have the uh, three liter uh, twin turbo V6 engine. So it's going to produce 400 horsepower and 350 pound feet of torque. Um, so we got a power boost, which I'm sure a lot of people will be pleased with, that it will be um, pretty powerful uh, on the street. And um, of course, you have your option of uh, a six-speed manual or a nine-speed automatic transmission. And it looks like everything um, sort has, has been tweaked in some way, obviously, from the previous generation. So it's going to be that much better on the street um, and however else you want to use it. I think it's got a lot of that profile of the original uh, 240. Uh, it's, it's a good looking car. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's got this engine is basically all new, they're claiming, which is nice to see somebody investing in an internal combustion engine. Guys, what do you think? Robinson, I saw you shaking your head. You uh, don't believe no. it's an all new engine? Well, that's no, what they're, they're claiming that, okay? They, it it's, is got, it, it's not an all new engine as we know it, but it's got a lot, it has enough significant parts in it that uh, they're getting away with that claim. It is anyway. all new, according to their press kit, all over yeah. their press kit. But that's you're, the only you're thing. Skeptic. Well, you're skeptic. It's the Red Sport 400 engine uh, from the Infinity. It's exactly what it is. So uh, I, they definitely could have done more there, I think, uh, instead of just putting that engine in there. Uh, it looks cool. The interior looks great. I think that's what it needed more than anything was a decent interior in there. Uh, I'm sure it'll do well. What are, what are some of the highlights? What are some of the highlights? People haven't seen any of the pictures. Some of the highlights of the interior. What did what struck you, Brian, to, to make that comment? Uh, just the material quality seems to have gone way up and just uh, more modern looking. That last gen, I think, wasn't super great to begin with. And uh, they kept, even when it got updated, went from 350 to 370. It, 
came, it kept that same overall uh, look. Uh, it just wasn't a great interior. I remember the 300 before yeah. it, uh, that interior was phenomenal. Yeah. And then when the 350 came out, uh, just didn't work for me. Uh, but this one's a step in the good, uh, good direction, I think. Do you think this looks like a more serious car or not? Uh, I wouldn't say more serious. I would say equally as serious. I think maybe that's part of the reason why they didn't do more with the powertrain. Maybe they got something else coming down the pike, which would be awesome. That's maybe a little more serious, but I wouldn't say it's more serious than the 370. Greg, you may disagree with that. No, uh, <laughs> this is one of the few times I agree with you there. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I think that probably the thing that I'm, I'm thinking about with this car is that, you know, regardless of how you feel about it or the car I'm about to mention, Nissan did it all themselves here. They didn't have to go out to bring right. the super back. Toyota had to go to BMW. Uh, and I mean, if you want to go talk about their, uh, GR 86, they also are using Subaru. So I think you can't look past the fact that Nissan at least at the very least has invested a lot of time and probably a lot of money in uh, bringing and keeping the Z around when they really don't sell many of them compared to other cars they sell. So what do you think of just calling it Z? I mean, instead of Z400. I mean, it, they've probably earned the right after making so many of them and keeping that lineage through the, God, how long has it been? 40 years? Almost uh, 50 yeah so and it's so recognizable and this speaks to the exterior styling that i think this how many people call it a z car anyway and get confused of all oh, well, was a 240 280 whatever through um you know just calling right. it a z now i think it's been they've probably it's been, earned the right to do that it's been the z car to most people for a long time anyway hmm. So. Yeah, well, I mean, most people say they have a 350Z or a 370Z, and it was 300ZX at one right. point even. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they've definitely played with it. I don't know. I just think. Well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the writing on the wall. They're just like, this is the Z to end Zs. To end all Zs. Well, you said end all Zs. <laughs> well, go ahead. We yeah. had, well, I, I think I mentioned it when we, uh, talked about the, the proto that came out. Um, but I had my family, we had one and we just called it the Z. I mean, we didn't call it the 350 Z. Um, it was just well, Z. Well, you would have to, if you had other Z's, that was, the I issue. guess so. I guess so. Yeah. If you had multiple Z's, of course, you're like, I have to differentiate between all my, all my Z's, <laughs> but it's well known as that, you know, I wonder, I wonder if they've, if they've got plans for it. And, you know, it was always sort of like, hey, this could be a, a Corvette-type uh, vehicle where you could do lots of variations, but they really didn't do that many. I think people also forget, I know it, I compared it to the Supra, but technically it also goes up against Camaro and Mustang too. So you Correct. have to consider that uh, when you're talking about performance and, you know, because obviously the Camaro and uh, – Mustang can get pretty crazy when it comes to performance. You know, to the point, though, there's not too many two-door coupes left. So it's, it is great, as you all said, to see them invest in it. Speaking of two-door high-performance-esque cars, I don't know about you, but I was kind of caught by surprise with the Lamborghini uh, 
announcing uh, bringing back the Akuntosh uh, for even this limited run. Um, Brian, you want to take the lead on this? Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't driven this one. Oh, too uh, bad. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up in an area that didn't see a whole lot of Lamborghinis uh, running around. So it wasn't until much later in life that I realized it was all the cars from all those posters uh, was actually pronounced Countach and not Countach. But it's neither here nor there. But great, great admission there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, if you're familiar with the Countach, quintessential 80s supercar, right? It's the sort of pioneered that flat wedge shape that supercars to this day uh, still follow. The big thing, obviously, was the scissor doors. Uh, which many people still call Lambo doors because this was the first vehicle production vehicle to have them. And uh, it was all be so it was all because of the Countach. And uh, I guess it went into production mid the late seventies. And uh, they, as it aged, they kept adding more and more wings and spoilers and all yeah. kind of goofy arrow stuff to it. It got kind of silly by the time it went out of production in I guess 90. Um, but they're trying to, captures some of that original groundbreaking uh stuff with this new one the lpi 804 is technically the name of it uh it's certainly more modern looking they claim that it's like a natural evolution of what it would have looked like if it never went out of production this is where it would have evolved to today and i can see it uh definitely looks similar to the front still got yeah. that long wide flat shape the biggest change there's huge air scoops in front of the rear tires uh, which is straight off the Aventador, which I'm imagining this car is essentially just an Aventador with this body on it. I don't want to say that uh, because I don't know that for sure. But, but with this limited a run, it's, that's a good guess, I think. Yeah, well, it's got the V12 from the Aventador, and they added a small electric motor, 34 horsepower. They technically call it a hybrid, so that seemed a little a little lame to me. I was expecting more maybe all-electric or mostly electric, uh, some, you know, most people that put that, the, it's basically a 48 volt electrical system. Most people don't even call that a hybrid when they do it. So, yeah. uh, if they want $2.6 million for the thing, I think they could have done a little more in the powertrain, uh, department. That's a lot of money for old school tech, but they're building 112 of them. I'm not sure what the significance of that number is. I don't know if you know more. Uh, I, it wasn't that. Uh, oh gosh, they said when they did it, it had to do yeah. with the um, the original car. But anyway, I yeah, maybe that was how many they sold the yeah. first year. I don't know. But uh, is it a must-have? Um, no. Would I want one? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's gonna be anybody <laughs> that shoves that kind of money down for 112 of them. It's guaranteed to to be a collector vehicle. So and probably go up in price because it's such a small number. And you can just imagine who's might buy them. Just every rock star you can think of. Yeah, it's amazing how flat they can get the windshields on their cars. Like no one else does that. That canopy is so flat. Did you ever drive one? I have not driven a Countach. The one thing I can I always will remember is you could not see out of it. You couldn't see in front. You couldn't see inside. You couldn't see in the back. As long as people can see you driving. That's the important part. I don't think you necessarily, if you yeah. buy a Countach, you and, care and about seeing yes, out. Yes. As long as people know that you are driving a Countach. Yeah, you're probably not driving it too far either. Well, a lot of these things probably won't go very far. I would imagine some of them are going to be tucked away pretty quickly next to their other Countach. Yeah. 
Well, they said they've already sold them all. So, mm -hmm. yeah. There we go. Okay. I was let's not get one back. of those people. No, not me either. Uh, let's get back to something a little more uh, affordable, shall we say. 2023 Genesis GV60. Genesis finally is starting to get serious about uh, the uh, SUVs. Greg, what, uh, tell us about this one. So, yeah, in case you are still unsure of what's going on with Genesis, they are a, uh, basically their own brand now under Hyundai, uh, Kia. Um, so they are their luxury brand. We've already seen the G70, uh, which has been a really good uh, compact uh, sports sedan. And actually took Genesis a while to do a uh, SUV. And when they finally did, they came out with a really good one, the GV80. And uh, now we have the GV60, uh, which is all electric. And it's different here because like all the other Genesis, 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 you see, all have a very unique and similar design language where like you instantly know it's a Genesis. And this one, you kind of see it. So looking at it right now, you look at the front, and first of all, let me say they, in the press photos, they use a lime, like electric lime green color. That is just very off brand to me. I understand it's an, an EV and you have to show that, oh, well, it's green, quite literally green, but this is not a very luxury uh, looking color. If you ask me, <laughs> it's super, super loud. Uh, but again, so you, I'm sorry, I'm, my uh, connection might have dropped out. I thought somebody said something. So um, like I said, this is akin to uh, Hyundai and Kia. They have their own all electric, uh, essentially raised hatchbacks. We call them SUVs, but it really is just a raised hatchback. And it, it so, looks very similar to both the Hyundai and Kia efforts. I mean, I think that's that's the biggest departure from what Genesis usually does. Exactly. That's kind of what I was getting at. Is like you see this, and and I I do see right away that Ionic Hyundai Ionic Five and the Kia EV Six. Uh, it just doesn't scream like luxury to me. It just it, it screams EV SUV or hatchback. Uh, but I, I don't. I really don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's just hard to make a really luxury. Well, but then again, you have like Audi who makes really nice luxurious looking EVs. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. Uh, so when we're talking about powertrain, it's going to share the same thing. Likely they, we, they didn't give us any numbers, no battery information or anything, but you have to assume it's going to use the same powertrain as the Ionic 5 and the EV6, which have up to a 77.4 kilowatt hour battery, going to be around 300 miles of range. Uh, and what will likely happen is that the EV6, the Kia, uh, they have a version with a dual motor that'll go up to like 570 horsepower or something like that. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like you're just getting efficient EVs. It's uh, it's going to be able to produce some real performance numbers. And probably this this Genesis will get that bigger uh, setup with the two motors and the high horsepower. So, um, like I said, we don't have those numbers for sure yet, but we can, I'd say, pretty safely speculate that it's going to be around 300 miles of, of EV driving range and probably offer at the top of the line close to 600 horsepower. I actually think you're being very kind to it. Uh, Jessica or Brian? Okay. Well, I'm, well, I, don't don't worry. I, I have plenty more to talk about because there's... <laughs> 
that, so, I that mean, look says a lot. I it was definitely giving me kind of like Kona vibes a little bit personally. That's but that that was like I didn't I tried not to look too long. But the thing <laughs> is like the the EV6, I thought just like absolutely nailed the styling. That to me could be a luxury vehicle done right. You know what I mean? So when I saw that the the gv60 i don't know it just felt like it might look a little bit off out of place from you know you you put the gv60 the gv70 the gv80 next to each other and you're gonna be like what is this little like bulb of a car so uh interesting i i definitely want to see it in a different color i think greg's right the green is certainly not flattering um of course kia's Kia sends us vehicles in all sorts of colors, you know, like I would say the same thing about the Seltos. Um, We have it in this like crazy, like yellow color. Star bright yellow, I think. Star bright yellow. And people think it's the ugliest color. And I've seen, well, I've seen the Seltos in gray and it's way much more attractive looking, I think, to the average person. So yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm a little torn with this GV60. It's going to take a little bit to win me over. Yeah, I guess since Greg and I are agreeing on everything today, I'll go along that it does look more Hyundai than Genesis. I uh, wish they would have given us a little more details on the powertrain. Uh, but who knows what the interior will look like. Hopefully that'll uh, take it over the top as far as what Genesis buyers are really looking for. So, yeah, to that end, they, they did release some pictures. And there is some kind of... Um, uncertainty about it because it's there are reports i think green car reports is saying that it will get uh wireless charging in south korea pretty much just that market is like a pilot program within the next two years because it's supposed to go on sale next year and they're saying it'll come from the factory eventually with wireless charging capability but just for that market to start uh which if it did make it to the u.s market or others that would be a huge deal the other interesting thing about the interior is that the picture I'm looking at has a digital side view mirror, uh, which uses a camera. There's like a little screen inside the car. And instead of a mirror, it's just you're getting a image through a camera on the outside of the car. I think that's the first, is it not? Does anybody remember if anyone, I'm, I've, we've it's seen just, them on concepts, but not in production. Yeah, I drove that Volkswagen, what was it, EV1? Not EV1, that was GM. Whatever that yeah. Volkswagen uh First Electric had that over in Europe, uh, but they yeah, haven't allowed it here in the U.S. to yeah. this point. I'm not sure that they will with Hyundai either. And that That's what, what I was getting to uh, with the whole, we're not sure what the U.S. is getting at this point. It's just basically they gave us a handful of pictures and said, hey, we have an all-electric SUV and didn't give us any other real info. It was almost like they felt like they were getting left out. Okay, let's move on to our lightning round and see if my uh, I can keep from dropping out long enough to read the question. Acura has grabbed quite a few headlines lately. First, it announced the NSX Type S, which many believe to be the end of the NSX again. Then it was a teaser image to announce the return of the Integra nameplate. Finally, back to the NSX, an Acura boss hinted that there might be a third generation of the supercar probably all electric, who knows, which headline is the biggest and what does this say about Acura? I don't know what's the biggest. I, 
maybe think that about there's, that they're still interested in doing something that has only two doors maybe on it i don't yeah. know yeah and no, i think the integra is the biggest because i don't know that the nsx going electric is exactly like huge uh, surprising news i think by the time the nsx goes electric it's certainly not going to be in a class of its own it's going to be in a class of a bunch of other supercars that are ultra also electric i think it's like it's more well, mysterious. they're really following following what the nsx has already done so right and it's i mean it's a little mysterious because if it goes all electric whose powertrain are they going to be using whose battery technology are they going to be using because honda's had plans to borrow from gm for to get their own evs set up so um that's up in the air i think the integra news is probably a little bit bigger um mostly because people seem to be really really interested in sports coupes and um i mean we've been talking about them quite a few podcasts um and of course nostalgia sells as we as we know, uh, so many brands are taking advantage of the not just the retro look, but the retro name. So it seems like Acura is doing that. I mean, so many people have so much love for a lot of those original Acura uh, sedans and, and sports coupes. So I think probably a lot of the, the folks who have the, the funds to be able to even buy an, uh, an Integra in 2022 or 2023, um, are going to be the, the ones that know the name and maybe even love the, the car back then. Yeah, if I had to pick one, I would definitely go with the Integra as well. Affordable performance cars are something we can always use more of. Uh, if it's Civic-based like it was before, uh, it was that was a fantastic car. I have so many great memories from that last uh, Integra. The thing I'm like worried about, about some is, of those memories. <laughs> uh, tell us one of the memories <laughs> the thing but the thing that scares me is that i mean Acura hasn't used any car names and since i think the integra went away was that the last one i don't know I think so yeah but so it, i just have this weird feeling that they're going to bring the integra name back but as like a trim package for an mdx or something like that oh <laughs> <laughs> that would be brutal huh. I did, no, they, I did. they showed the silhouette of the car in like fireworks. Uh, so okay. we know it's a car. We uh, know well, it's maybe a car. It'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just, again, I'll agree with Robinson. It's, oh, that's probably wow. the biggest, the biggest news, but it'll continue to make headlines because like every other car that is brought back or name that is shifted to an SUV, It'll just create a, just a million more headlines, which is ultimately probably good for Acura because there'll be people who love it, people who hate it, but it will be talked about uh, a lot when it eventually drops. I think actually you hit the nail on the head. They need, with all everybody talking about, you know, Genesis and Lexus and all these other brands, Acura was actually, the, you know, the pioneering brand as far as uh, going upscale or one of them anyway, from a Japanese brand. I think it's about publicity. They, they must have said, we're getting left out of all this chatter, so let's do something. So, all right, let's move on. Okay, we have a YouTube question from, I don't know, <laughs> this is quite a real name, but. No, I want to hear Jessica say it, and then and then John. Okay, Jessica, you say Make Jessica say it. It was her idea. Oh, 
Oogie Padoogie. Oogie Padoogie. This is a YouTuber. Um, probably not his real name. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why is the Nissan Z a 2023 model when it's available next spring in 2022? Good question. Well, automakers uh, can kind of sort of do what they want a little bit within reason. But, um, you know, for example, legally, they're allowed to start selling a 2022 model year vehicle January 2nd of 2021. So, um, yes. Yeah. So, like, the first 2022 vehicle we tested this year was the Acura MDX. And that was on sale uh, late January, early February. So Greg knows the rest of the, I think the particulars. It has, it, it has a lot to do when it's actually built, doesn't it, Greg? Right. So, I mean, they can say what this car is anytime. They could say, we have the 2030 uh, Nissan Z right now. You can't start selling it to the public until, like Jessica said, January 2nd of the year prior, then you can sell it all the way up until uh, January, I'm sorry, December 31st of that model year you find. So this one up until uh, December 31st of 2023, they can sell this as a 2023 uh, model. Um, but basically the reasoning is, and I had to go and look up the exact reasoning, even though John, I think we talked about this now, it's all coming back to me many podcasts ago. Um, all the automakers used to make new models in the fall. Right. And it was actually something, according to a car and driver article I read, uh, was something FDR instituted, yeah. uh, basically to kind of like, uh, like even out the auto market and kind of like boost sales at certain times. So they said, all right, if you're going to come out with a new automobile, it has to be in the fall for the next model year. Right. So there's, as car and driver puts it, historical precedence is one of the reasons. Second is regulatory, which Jessica hit on. And third is marketing. So uh, it's really up to the marketing team at the uh, car companies to say like, all right, how are we going to get this car to our buyers? Do we want to present it as this model year? Well, if we present it as this model year, we already know, let's say the fuel economy of all the cars in the segment for this model year, and we beat them. So let's make it this model year as opposed to the following where cars we don't know about might beat us on fuel economy. So it's just little games like that. We've also seen the situation where they'll come out with right after the first of the year, but use that year, say right after the first year, 22, call it a 22, because they've got some upgrade later in the year that they want to be able to use to, and call it a 23. So it's games. Marketing, I think there's a legal aspect, but it really is marketing more than anything yeah. else. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add other than Nissan seems to be the one that pushes that boundary more than most. Mm -hmm. They seem to always have something coming out in February, March that they're calling the next year. At least they did for a while. But Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, too, because you kind of will sometimes run into um, like overlap, you know, which is um, that that goes hand in hand with the marketing thing, because, for example, um, you know, there's a 20, there's two 2018 Jeep Wranglers. You have the, the 2018 JK and then you have the 2018 JL. They're two different generations, um, but of the same exact car. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of marketing. And I mean, 
like right now, you know, Jeep is, has the, the 2021 Grand Cherokee L a month later, I go on um, a trip to test the 2022 uh, Grand Wagoneer. So yeah, it's up to the automaker what they want to do. And we've also seen them, like you mentioned, keep production just to, because of the demand. I think Dodge Ram was the last one that did that. I think so, they're still uh, making. I think yeah. they're still making last gen Rams along with the new ones. Yeah. Yeah. Ram classic. <laughs> yeah. So Oogie Padoogie, I hope that answers your question. And uh, thanks very much for sending it in. And uh, it's, it was a good one. Anybody got any rant and raves before we wrap things up? I do. Oh, you usually we, uh, have one. Yeah. yeah, we uh, spent a lot of time in our long-term uh, Jetta GLI, which has a manual transmission, which is awesome. Uh, what is not so awesome is hill start assist in manual transmissions, and it's pretty much across the board. I can't stand them. Uh, if you don't know what that is and you drive a manual transmission, uh, basically, it, if you're on an incline uh, and traditionally in a manual, you would have to feather the clutch and make sure you don't roll back. But there's a, uh, an electronic component here that keeps you in your spot. And if you know what you're doing, and it kind of freaks you out, or at least I should speak for myself on that one. Uh, no, really, right. you, you I get worse. You have your foot off the brake. You don't go anywhere. Incline, the car didn't go anywhere. And it's, I don't know what exactly. I'm not a psychologist, but I feel like the lack of movement at all screws my brain up and i am much more likely to stall without going backwards than i am you know what i mean it's just i don't like it and i think you can turn it off but i had a hard time finding that location in the gli which hopefully i will find that i'm sorry to the next person who drives it might want it it used to be a rite of passage that if you you know to go to san francisco in a manual transmission car and figure out how to start on their hills without rolling backwards. You know, if you did it, you were pretty good. It's like a comfort thing. I, I don't know. It's just, but who, who cares? Manual it's called skill, skill, you know, it's developing a driving skill. Anyway, anybody got anything they want to add or any other complaint or, or praise, rant or rave? No? All right. Thanks everybody. That was a, a terrific podcast. And I want to thank Brian Robinson, Greg Carlos, Jessica Ray. Thank you very much for joining us. I also want to chat, uh, talk uh, and thank our audio supervisor, Jim Bigwood, who will be given this incredible mess to, to make it sound as good as possible. Greg for producing it and Bob Mixter uh, back at MPT for coming up in the idea in the first place. All of you out there, thank you very much for listening. And those of you that are actually watching it on a video podcast, thanks for watching. I want to remind you that if you're looking for to find Motor Week, go to our website, motorweek.org. Click up on the corner where the right side where it says about the show, pull down, put in your zip code, and you'll get the PBS station around the country and the time and day that we're on. You can also catch us over on our Motor Trend Cable Partner, usually Tuesday nights at 7.30. Uh, our YouTube channel is going gangbusters, youtube.com slash motorweek. You can see everything we've done for a lot further back than you probably want to go. And uh, basically, if you've got a screen somewhere, some shape or form, you're going to be able to watch Motor Week. With that said, to everybody out there, thanks again for joining us and thanks for being a part of Motor Week. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and 
rockauto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.